word this morning. Holy One, giver of life and light, as your word is read and proclaimed, illumine our hearts and minds, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, our lives may reflect God's glory. Amen. Um, yeah, so we're, we're talking about the shepherds this morning. Next week we jump back over into the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, and, and look at the Magi. And then we'll do our Christmas Eve service, which will uh, bring us through basically all these readings and put them all together with the songs and the readings. Um, <clears throat> have you ever been surprised by some sort of uh, recognition or inclusion that was un, unexpected. Uh, I remember in grad school when, um, uh, boy, I don't even want to say when this was, back in, it was 20 years ago, and uh, I was at the kind of a ceremony. It wasn't, the, it wasn't graduation. It was like a, an awards ceremony night, and I got, I got recognized for an award, and I, I didn't expect it at all. And it was really cool because the professor got up there and said, Oh, uh, this, this is going to be so fun to hand out because the person doesn't even know that they're getting this award. And I thought, oh, I wonder who that is. They're going to have a good night, you know. And, and um, it was me, and I was so surprised. And it, was, it just felt so good um, to be seen uh, in that way. So it might be maybe not an award or, or, you know, maybe an unexpected bonus, a raise, a promotion, you know, getting that job. There's a zillion people, you know, applying for this job, and you get the call. And this feeling that um, it's not just the job, it's not just that, but it's, it's, it's a sense that you are seen. You know, in a sense, what, it, what it's saying is that you are seen. Someone saw your hard work, someone saw your qualifications, someone saw, maybe, not, maybe it's not any sort of an award, maybe it's just being invited out to uh, some special gathering. But this idea that um, someone saw me. I remember winning Mozart tickets to the Requiem, which is one of my favorite pieces, and... Uh, you know, so there's no recognition on any sort of thing that I did. I just happened to be the fifth caller or whatever. But this idea, the surprise, like, oh, I, I'm the one. You know, I got seen in this whole thing, and I get the uh, uh, surprise. Um, I think this is the idea behind junk mail, right? Urgent, you know, needing special attention. Open it right now. They're capitalizing on this thing where we want to be seen. We want to be recognized. And this is why I think Christmas morning, this is one of the joys of Christmas morning, just getting gifts. You get a gift from, I love the gifts that I get from my kids and and Lisa. But I mean, the kids, um, they're simple gifts. Uh, They really are. But uh, I really feel seen with their gifts um, consistently. And so just opening up a gift and knowing that this is for me gives us that feeling. I think it touches something way deep and down that I want to be seen, I want to be recognized, I want, um, uh, you know, someone sees, sees me. And uh, so the shepherds um, remind us of that. It's a way of us reliving um, this God's radical inclusion. We're going to talk about shepherds um, in a minute, but... God sees us. So the, the part of the joy of, of Advent and Christmas is reliving this surprise that we're seeing, that God sees us, that God sees uh, us on a lonely hill, um, even if we're over seeing some sheep. And um, that's one of the messages that we get in Luke's story talking about the shepherd. So we're going to, um, 
We're going to dive into Luke, Luke chapter 2. And uh, I think, I didn't mention this, but you probably noticed I got a bunch of pictures this morning. We're going to have fun. We're going to look at a lot of pictures this morning. So it says, as we begin this story, this amazing story, um, it says, at that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when uh, Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, Judea, uh, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. Again, Luke has to tell us where Nazareth is because it's so small. It's so out of the way. This is a, you know, this is, this is Bowdoin, right? Litchfield, East Monmouth. Not Monmouth, because they get some traffic there, but East Monmouth. That's where, that's like Nazareth. Um, he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And so, you know, these, these look like, Kind of crazy details off, you know, what does this have to do with anything? But Luke is setting up a backdrop here. You know, we have a backdrop of stuff. But typically on a stage, you have a backdrop where all your scenes happen in front of that. And the backdrop is the Roman Empire. It's very powerful. And when they uh, call for a census, they're getting to reassess the tax base, right? So... When we read this about you know traveling out to uh, um, Bethlehem and the Roman Empire is uh, taking a census, what we see here is that um, that they are fl- flexing their muscles. Rome is flexing their muscles, and when they say jump, you got to jump. You got to get up and go to uh, your ancestral home. For Joseph, that is Bethlehem, just like David. Um, <clears throat> So the very fact that David is mentioned twice is setting us up to see what is God going to do because David is uh, this revered king. He is the king uh, that is the golden era of Israel. And so there's this hope that one day um, his line will be restored. It'll sort of be like the hobbits, right? The, the, the return of the king. He will, the king will come back and restore the fortunes of Israel. So the very fact that David is mentioned with that backdrop of Rome is setting us up to think, oh, what's going to happen? There's a, there's a clash that's going to happen. The powers are lining up. right? So this is going to be God versus the Roman Empire. And part of the question is, what is it going to look like? And being from America, where we fight for independence, we like to see a good action flick, right? a big fight. Um, but God's ways are different than Rome's ways. And uh, God flexes muscles in very different ways than we see with Rome. So the backdrop is the Roman Empire, and it's setting up a showdown. And we are, you know, we are reminded of Nazareth, which is very small, and this very ordinary couple. So there's this small, this is sort of a David and Goliath set up here, where you've got this, the small, the kind of normal, un, you know, no one really knows these two very well couple from this, going nowhere town, are traveling because Rome says they have to do it. And um, <clears throat> I think that it's not an incredible leap here to 
stop and pause and think about whatever we are facing, whether it's as a nation, whether it's as a uh, religious group, whether it's personal things that we have, we stand against those backdrops where we feel small. We stand against those backdrops which seem to be overpowering us, um, which those things that say jump and we feel like we have to jump. And it might be um, <clears throat> a lot of family drama, um, relational you know, woundedness, uh, family disarray, which can come to this bubble to the surface during holidays like this, uh, the personal demons, which we all wrestle, everyone has that. Um, and maybe it's bigger issues, uh, community issues like racism in America and the pandemic and health and uh, health coverage, uh, poverty, all those sort of things. You know, these people that we bought uh, gifts for, uh, they're in a nursing home. They don't see a lot of people. They feel like they're against a backdrop, which is bigger, I, I guarantee it, than they are. Um, health social contact and all that sort of thing. We all bring that to the table. We all have that. And, you know, Luke is setting up this drama. And part of what he's going to show us is how God does things versus how Rome does things. Um, <clears throat> and so they travel. It says, and while they were there um, in Bethlehem, Bethlehem's Bethlehem's not big at that time. I've been to Bethlehem, and it's pretty—it's a bustling area now, uh, particularly because of tourism. But um, this is probably a town of 600 people back then. Um, <clears throat> while they were there, the time came for their baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available. For them, and I love this picture too. Uh, Rome says, "Jump! You got to jump." They travel. There's all this power that's going to control them. It's going to tax them. It's going to oppress them. Um, and sometimes God moves in small ways, you know. And I think sometimes, at least for myself, God's ready to do something, and there's no room <laughs> in the end, you know, because I've got it all filled up with various things. Maybe bitterness. Maybe resentment. Maybe uh, my own pride, um, my own agenda, um, but there's no room for them. And so I think we have a picture of an inn. Oh, I can't see this thing. I can move. I'm not stuck behind these mics anymore. We have a picture of an inn right there. And so um, it's not panned out enough, but you know this would have been a square area with building. There would have been a courtyard in the middle. Buildings all around the outside with probably a gate. And downstairs, under the buildings, is where the stables are. So people would live upstairs. And so when we say that there's no room in the inn, it's not like they're going to the Holiday Inn and there's, you know, all the rooms are booked. Um, uh, there's people traveling. Rome has said, you got to jump, everyone's got to move. And so they're filled up. And all the space in the upper floors is taken. So the animals are downstairs and they got to stay downstairs, and uh, there's a manger. I think we have a manger up there as well. Well, yeah, carved out of stone. So a feeding trough would have been downstairs under those uh, stables. We actually don't know if there's any animals there or not. Um, Hallmark puts animals there, but uh, we're not quite sure. 
but they have to stay uh, downstairs with the animals, which means all the community is happening upstairs. All the stuff is all the fun stuff is upstairs. And God's plan, God's what God's working out in this small way, unforeseen way from Nazareth, this unknown couple, they're stuck downstairs where people really can't see the incredible miracle that's unfolding beneath them. Also, it just says he was born. I mean, there's no songs. There's no. There's nothing. Again, Hallmark wants us to see something else or all the all the movies, um, but it just seems like a average birth. Nothing fantastic about it happening with Joseph and Mary in the stable. But there's stuff happening elsewhere um, where they don't see. So we go on to Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were sore afraid, right? To quote Linus. Uh, They were terrified. So if we just stop there for a minute. um, uh, What's interesting here is that Rome is telling people to go to these certain places. Go to Bethlehem and register. Uh, We got these uh, areas set up. You know, Rome has... uh, uh, Place its hooks in the grounds and it's 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 uh, planted itself in these areas that define its power, and they have to go. And what's interesting is that the way God moves, rather than uh, Rome, and Rome is just pushing people around like cattle. What we have here is a picture of shepherds, and they don't have to go anywhere. They don't have to travel anywhere. They don't have to become more educated. They don't have to become more wealthy. They don't have to get a better job. They're just watching the sheep. And God comes to them. And so we begin to see the difference of how God works versus Rome works. God comes to us. God sees where they are. They don't have to travel to see it. They're just minding their own business on the hillside with the sheep, and uh, we don't have to travel to be surprised by God's inclusion, to be surprised that God sees us. God comes to us. He announces news to the shepherds. And so sheep and shepherds are pretty prominent in the Bible, right? Um, Lots of stories about sheep and shepherds. Um, So we'll break that down. Let's Let's put up a sheep there. Is it is that right for singular sheep? I don't know. Okay. Okay, so sheep, a major source of economic stability uh, because of their meat, their milk, and their wool. And in that day, they're not fenced in to, to be to fend for themselves, right? We could drive by a farm, there's a fence, sheep aren't gonna go anywhere. Um, back in that day, they they, they kind of roam free, which is why you need a shepherd. Um, they are totally dependent on the shepherds for protection, for grazing, for watering, for shelter, for caring for their injuries. They are, as one commentary put it, singularly unintelligent. They are not smart at all. Prone to wandering, like the song, the hymn, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. 
unable to find their way back to the sheepfold, even if it's within sight. Even if it's within sight. And if we talk about the backdrop of our own struggles, of the work conditions we're in, or whatever it is, we read these stories about God's salvation, and for some strange reason, I really can't seem to find my way there. So it's really good that God comes to us and recognizes the shepherds out there. So shepherds, you know, we have Abraham, Isaac, Rebecca, Moses, uh, all of Jethro's daughters, uh, David, and the prophet Amos are all famous shepherds in the Bible. In fact, um, when Samuel is going to anoint David as king, he's got to go out in the fields to find him, which is the same here. They got to go. The angels go out to the fields to find the shepherds. Another Luke ties those stories. Another, you know, if, if we're familiar with our Hebrew Bible, then we would we would see that connection, and Luke's audience would see that that God is doing something. A king is on the way. Um, <clears throat> The the helplessness of sheep make shepherds a really good metaphor for care and compassion. They lead sheep out daily for grazing and watering and then back to the sheepfold at night. I think we got a sheepfold out there. Let's look at that. We got two, I think. Yeah. So, So this is a cave. So this would have been on a hillside. And this is probably what it would have looked like outside of Bethlehem. This is in... uh, a town called Michmash, actually, in the Bible. And there's a cave there, so they find some little cave, but they build rocks and create a sheepfold. And I think there's another one out in the field. Just stack the rocks, right? And so they're just stacking rocks out there, and the, the shepherd would sleep by that door, which helps us to understand when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, I am the sheep gate. He sleeps there to protect them at night. So during the day, they go out and they wander the fields and look for grazing, they water. Then at night, they bring them back into the sheepfold. So they are providers, they're guides, they're protectors and companions. Um, They're figures of authority and leadership. And if you come across other flocks and they get all mingled, all they need to do is hear the, the voice of the shepherd that cares for them. And they'll be able to sort out that flock pretty quickly. Um, But shepherding is demanding. It's solitary and it's dangerous at times because there's a lot of predators out there. Um, I I was trying to think of what kind of current vocation, and I think sometimes farming, maybe? I I think, you know, particularly out here, you drive out 24 between Topsom and Richmond, you get some beautiful farms, lots of beautiful land, and there's something about it that's romantic, romanticized, a simpler life, you know, honest work with your hands, uh, but I really don't want to do it, you know. And so this is the same with shepherds. There's sort of this romantic, dreamlike quality uh, to um, this vision of their job, but in reality, it's very difficult work, and it's no one, you know, their kids, you're not going to like, I hope one day you be a shepherd, right? Uh, which is unfortunate, because honest work is honest work, and hard work is hard work. Um, but because of the solitariness, it can also lead to some deceitfulness as well, because you're out alone. So we are reminded of Jacob watching his father's flocks, and he's able to uh, uh, breed them in a way that works to his favor, Jacob's favor in the end. Um, and so uh, it, it's a profession that doesn't have, uh, sometimes they look down on shepherds. 
Um, so here you have these shepherds on this, probably uh, like the cave there, that one sheepfold, in the middle of the night, watching their sheep after this long day at work. And they're the ones who get this message. And the message uh, goes like this. Um, the angel reassured them, so they're afraid. Don't be afraid. This is one angel. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. And the fact that they're getting this news is where we see God's method and his message really line up. He's not going to the king of Israel. He's not going to Herod. He's going to the shepherds. He's going to the people that are forgotten, people that work hard, people that are living, you know, feel alone. The people who are working with really dumb animals, okay, and have to do all this work themselves. Um, but also a very important job that's very important to the economy of Israel. That's where this news go. And, 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 and let's remember that Rome sent out their messengers as well, saying, you need to go here, you need to go there, you need to register so we can tax you. So even in this story, we have Rome sending, sending out their messengers, and there we have God sending out messengers in the form of angels, bringing good news of this coming king. That's what would happen when there's a new king or a new Caesar, a new emperor. You send out messengers and let people know, here's the news. This is good news. And so here we see, already two weeks ago, we were looking at Isaiah 61. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent them to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Against that big backdrop of whatever it is, God sees the poor. And we see it in these shepherds by the very fact that God sends angels to them in the dark, at night, while they're all alone. And as far as we can tell, Mary and Joseph didn't get this during the birth. They got it ahead of time. By the way, you're pregnant. It's positive. Um, <clears throat> suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. So now there's this host as an army, an army of angels. Um, wait, I might have jumped ahead here. I bring good news of a great joy to all people, to all people. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem. Now, even there, those, you know, they're not important people by society's terms. They would have understood what this meant. This means that the king will be restored. The kingdom will be at ease again. There'll be justice in our land. And it's the shepherds that get that message. He has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in the strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Why the manger? That is just simply, this is how you will know which baby it is. That's it. Right? There's probably other babies there. They wander in a town. I don't, which one is it? I don't know. Let's ask the family lineage. Let's see who is the, the most well-known family. Who has the most money? No. Here's how you know. It's the baby that's in the, in the manger, in the stable, down below the house, the place you wouldn't look. That's how you know which baby it is. 
Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. This is a confusing line because it just said it was going to go out to all people, and then it seems like it's saying peace to those with whom God's pleased with. Um, In Greek, uh, Greek... Greek in this time is just a string of capital letters with no punctuation at all. It takes a lot of work to figure out what is the punctuation of how uh, these things should read. So a lot of scholars believe there's a missing comma in here. Peace on earth, comma, to those with whom God is pleased. Because it wouldn't jive with the earlier part of the message that this is good news for all people. All people. When the angels had heard, had returned to heaven, um, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they strike out to go down to Bethlehem to see this baby. Let's go see it. Let's go see. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angels had said to them about this child. And this is where we get the idea that these angels didn't come to Mary and Joseph that night. So, I mean, just imagine that. I mean, nine months ago, in March, she gets visited by an angel. She's pregnant. Joseph says, or, you know, Gabriel says to Joseph, you know, don't be afraid to take Mary. That, That was last March. That was March, nine months ago. And uh, they're hearing, they have this baby, and they're in this stable. I don't know how warm it is down there, how cold it is. Maybe it's sweaty. I don't, I don't know what it's like. But, and they hear this story. That, it's got to be so encouraging to hear this. And here's the thing. It's not God going to them. It's the shepherds who no one sees, who no one wants that profession. God saw them, came to them, and there's this, realization that there's this radical inclusion that someone sees me against this big backdrop of all that's going on in the world with pandemic and work and family and sickness and you know mental health issues and physical health, whatever that backdrop is, God sees them. And then they're the ones that brings, you know, we always like to break the news, right? That's, there's a sense of power in that. It's empowering to have the news be inside. That's why gossip is so dangerous. Right? It's like a fire, James says, right? Spark lights a fire. Um, but people like the news, and it's entrusted to the shepherds. They are instruments of going to Joseph and Mary and saying, Hey, by the way, there was just this song. You should have heard it by these angels. And in that way, sharing that news, they are reminding. Joseph and Mary that God sees them as well. That this is we're still on track. We, this has all happened to us. God leads us. We think, oh, yeah, we had that moment where you just feel connected, right? And then a month later, you're like, did that really happen? Or is that just, you know, psychology, just a trick in the mind, whatever. So they remind them, this is still happening. This is still happening. Um, All who, verse, verse 18, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. And Mary kept all these things in her heart, 
and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. I love this because they go back. They go back. Sometimes I think that when we think of the big backdrop behind us, that big power that's you know seems to dominate, that screams jump, and we, we're afraid not to jump, whatever it is, the addictions we're battling, um, we have ideas of how God works. And I think sometimes it looks like the Roman Empire. Just bam, it's gonna, God's going to do this. Nope, not always. Sometimes that happens. But probably more than often, they're going back. They go back to work. They're tending the sheep. They're taking them out, finding water, finding grass, bring them back, tend to their wounds, take them the next day till they're cut the wool or what, you know, whatever they do with them. And they're going back. But that's God is still on the move. God is still working. <clears throat> they go back to their regular job. And that's not an indication that God is not at work. Because it just happens sometimes small. These people feel small. We all feel small at times, unseen. And the story of the shepherds reminds us that God sees you. That God has a message for you. That something is happening and you're included. You're included. The couple we didn't know about from the town we never heard of. The shepherds out alone. They're the ones that included. They're included. Surprise! Inclusion of the least of these, right? We all feel like the least of these at times. Um, and it's funny because the smallness of it doesn't diminish its greatness. In fact, the smallness of it kind of magnifies how great God is. That this word travels from these shepherds. A mustard seed becomes a great tree, right? An ordinary couple from a small village give birth to a great king. An army of angels reveals news to the handful of shepherds. A king is born downstairs in the stable. <clears throat> the people and places that appear unimportant become the focal point of God's activity. And as we reflect and respond to God during Advent, there's a growing joy in being reminded of God's faithfulness to me and to you when it feels like we might have been overlooked. It's small, but it's radically inclusive of all of us. So perhaps it's worth taking a bit of time and thinking about those big backdrops which we feel like our life is being played out in front of. Those power centers that seem to be pushing us around. And opening our eyes and our ears and our hearts to the little ways in which God is moving. I think that's been a theme for me, a big theme for me this year. It's been a crazy year. And it's worth remembering that many people uh, didn't get through this year because of this pandemic or due to complications from it. Um, it's been a tough year. 
God is still at work. Whether the backdrop is pandemic that we've been having, or whether it's something more personal, whether it's something more political, or more social and civic, God is at work in these small ways. And that is encouraging to know as we approach.